This program is made possible by BibleWayMedia.org, overseen by the Uloga Church of Christ in Uloga, Oklahoma. You're listening to Opening the Scriptures with Don Boyd. Welcome to the program. This is Don Boyd. I want to welcome you to Opening the Scriptures. That kind of an interesting introduction today, but you think about, <clears throat> you know, there was a preacher and a chicken standing by the road one day. Which one of them knew where he was going? The chicken. He knew he was going to go across the road. But the preacher meandered all over the place and never got anywhere. Now, why do I use that illustration? Have you ever been somewhere and a guy gets up to preach and he just seems to meander everywhere and never gets anywhere in the Word of God? Well, that's my question today. Is that the way, ask ourselves this question, is that the way I am handling the Word of God? Do I know where I'm going when I get into the Word of God or do I just meander all over the place in the Word and never get anywhere? You ever heard everybody say, well, I'm just going to grab the Bible and I'm going to open it to a page and I'm going to read that little bit of the page where you never get the context. You never get the true understanding of what's taking place. Do we know where we're going when we study the Word of God? You know, some people never get anywhere in God's Word because they just don't study. And Paul said in 2 Timothy 2.15, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. If we're going to understand what the word of God has to say, we're going to have to study. You think about taking a college course and maybe something like calculus. You don't just grab the calculus book and read it and understand how to work calculus. You get the calculus book, yes. You open it up, yes. And you're going to read it, yes, but in that reading you're going to study it so that you'll know what you are doing. And that's what we need to do with the Word of God because it mentions there we are to rightly divide the Word of Truth. The American Standard Version says handling aright the Word of Truth. Because there are those that will grab the Bible and they, they, people will try to prove anything from the Bible. People try to prove there's a flat earth by using the Bible. Well, you can't do that. And people try to prove all kinds of stuff. You know, there was something out that one of my sons was looking at. And it was a homosexual group, group trying to prove that homosexuality is approved of God or approved by God through verses that they used in the Bible. And we looked at some of those and they were totally out of context. And that's what people will do with the Word of God. But another question we need to ask ourselves, <clears throat> are we teaching our children to be like us? Are we teaching our children to be like us and never opening the Word of God and never studying the Word of God? just meandering through life? Or are we taking the Word of God and teaching it to our children and grandchildren? I want to go to the book of Deuteronomy, look at several verses here. I want to start in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 1. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 1. 
verse 9. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 9. That verse says, Only take heed to thyself, and keep thy soul diligently, lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen, and lest they depart from thy heart all the days of thy life, but teach them to thy sons and thy sons' sons. You know, we're looking here at the group that had wandered through the wilderness. Some of them were still alive from the time that they saw the plagues in Egypt, the miracles that were done, crossing of the Red Sea, miracles that were done in their wilderness wanderings. And he's saying, don't forget them and teach them to your children and your grandchildren. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one God. Now, I find that interesting because you look up the word God there, and it is from Elohim, which is the plural name of God. So what he's basically saying there is our God, the plural God, again we understand the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, is one Lord, one Jehovah, one self-existent being. But now let's go to what we're going to look at, verse 5. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might, and these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently. In other words, with all your very being, trying your very best. Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. And thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house. And when thou walkest by the way. And when thou liest down and when thou risest up. So in other words, he's saying, just teach your children about these things four times a day. What are those four times again? When you're sitting in your house, when you're walking by the way, when you lie down, and when you get up. Verse 8, And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontless between thine eyes. They are to keep you focused. And thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on thy gates. In other words, keep a constant reminder of the word of God around. You know, some people put plaques up in their house, different verses, such things as that. But keep these things evident. In Deuteronomy 10, look at verses 12 and 13. Deuteronomy chapter 10 verses 12 and 13. It says, And now, O Israel, what doth the Lord thy God require of thee but to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him, and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul, to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes which I command thee this day for thy good. <clears throat> That is the way we should be doing, handling the Word of God. Go to Psalm 78. We're going to look at verses 3 through 8. Psalm 78, 
verses 3 through 8. It says there, I guess verse 2 would be the starting of the sentence, I will open my mouth in a parable, I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us, we will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he hath done. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children. In other words, our fathers, their children, their children, there's us, he's saying. Verse 6, that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children, that they might set their hope in God, and not forsake the works of God, but keep his commandments. And in verse 8, and be not like, or excuse me, might not be as their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that set not their heart aright, and whose spirit was not steadfast with God. So these are just things. Are we teaching our children to be like us, and is that a good thing? Or is that a bad thing? How are we teaching our children to be like us? And you know, God's word can't lead us anywhere if we don't open it and follow it. You know, while we're here in the book of Psalms, go to Psalm 119. Read a few verses out of that psalm. Psalm 119. Verse 11, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. How can we hide the word of God in our hearts if we don't ever open it and study it? In verse 15, I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. How often do we meditate in the word of God? Verse 16, I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. Well, you know, as we get older, our minds aren't as good, but we still need to be studying the word of God. And you can't learn the word of God if you don't study it. In Psalm 119, 105, it says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. God's word is there to guide us through the darkness of this old sinful world. It's a light. It guides us through this life so that we can have eternal life. In Psalm 119, verse 172, it says, My tongue shall speak of thy word, for all thy commandments are righteousness. Are we speaking the word of God to others, especially to our own families? So are we studying the word of God as we should? Now, another point here is some never get anywhere in the word of God because they're unstable in their obedience. Go first to James chapter 1. 
Look at verses 5 through 8. James 1, 5 through 8. It says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. The word upbraideth means scold. You'll pray to God, ask for wisdom. God doesn't scold us for asking for wisdom. You know, what did Solomon do? He asked for wisdom. Of course, he got it miraculously. But we won't. Verse 6. But let him ask in faith. In other words, let him ask knowing that God will do what he said he will do. Nothing wavering. The word wavering means doubting. Oh, yeah, I'm going to pray to God for wisdom, but I really don't know if he's going to give it to me or not. You know what? No, that's, that's wavering. Doubting. And it gives an example. For he that wavereth or doubts is like a wave tossed, a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. In other words, there's no control there. That wave just flashing around wherever the wind takes it. Verse 7. For let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. And then he says, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Double-minded just means vacillating, going from here to there, back and forth, like that wave of the sea. They're unstable in their obedience. Kind of like King Saul. He was unstable in his obedience. Go to 1 Samuel chapter 15. 1 Samuel chapter 15. Verse 1 there says, Samuel also said unto Saul, The Lord sent me to appoint thee to be king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore hearken thou unto the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I remember that which Amalek did to Israel, how he laid wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt. You can go back to Exodus 17 and see that, and it repeated in Deuteronomy 25. Verse 3. Now go and smite Amalek, and utterly destroy all that they have, and spare them not. But slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. So destroy them completely, and everything they have. Verse 4, And Saul gathered the people together and numbered them in Telaim, uh, 200,000 footmen and 10,000 men of Judah. And Saul came to a city of Amalek and laid wait in the valley. Now drop down to verse 7. And Saul smote the Amalekites from Havilah till thou comest to Shur that is over against Egypt. Now, verse 8 says, And he took Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive, and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But what's the problem here? He didn't do what God told him. He was vacillating in his obedience. Now, verse 9 says, But Saul and the people, Notice that little word, and, is both. Spared Agag, and the best of the sheep, and of the oxen, and of the fatlings, and the lambs, and all that was good, and would not utterly destroy them. But everything that was vile and refuse, that they destroyed utterly. 
Then, verse 10, came the word of the Lord to Samuel, saying, It repenteth me that I have set up Saul to be king, for he has turned back from following me and hath not performed my commandments. See, right there, he's vacillating in his obedience. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried to the Lord all night. And when Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning, it was told Samuel, saying, Saul came to Carmel, and behold, he has set up a place. The word place there means a monument. You might think there's a little pride there, keeping Agag alive, the king, and setting himself up a monument. And has gone about and passed on and gone down to Gilgal. And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said unto him, Blessed be thou the Lord, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Well, had he? Go back and look and read, you know, what did God command him to do? And he said, I've done it. I've done what God commanded me to do. Well, Samuel said there's something wrong here. Verse 14. And Samuel said, What meaneth then this bleeding of the sheep? in mine ears, and the lowing of the oxen which I hear. You know, Samuel knew what he told Saul. Destroy everything. He goes, there's something wrong. I hear sheep, and I hear oxen. And Saul said, they, it's, it's the people's fault here, they have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord thy God, and the rest we have utterly destroyed. So Saul is going, you see, Samuel, the, the people wanted to keep these things, and I'm just one person. I couldn't stop them. But you know, everything else we destroyed. I was in on that. Verse 16, Samuel said to Saul, Stay. In other words, be still. And I'll tell thee what the Lord has said to me this night. And he said, Say on. And Samuel said, When thou wast little in thine own sight, in other words, when he was humble, wast thou not made head of the tribes of Israel, and the Lord anointed thee king over Israel? You know what that implying is? Saul was no longer little in his sight. He was a prideful individual. Verse 18, The Lord sent thee on a journey and said, Go and destroy, utterly destroy, the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they be consumed. Wherefore? Or in other words, why? Then didst thou not obey the voice of the Lord, but didst fly upon the spoil, and didst evil in the sight of the Lord? Why did you do this? And Saul said to Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord, and have gone the way which the Lord sent me, and have brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. Well, no, he didn't. There was still an Amalekite. And then verse 21, But the people... Oh, let's blame it on somebody else. We're vacillating in our obedience. You know, we got to blame our sins on somebody else. The people took of the spoil, sheep and oxen, and the chief things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice to the Lord thy God at Gilgal. In other words, you see, Samuel, these are, this is for sacrifices for the Lord your God. 
I always under, wonder why, why didn't he ever say the Lord my God? Well, it's because he wouldn't obey him. Verse 22, And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? You know, if you obey, you wouldn't need the sacrifices. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, to hearken than the fat of rams, and then he describes what it is. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. So what is Samuel telling him? You are rebellious and you are stubborn. Are we teaching our children to be like us? Are we meandering around in life? Well, you see, those who never get any way in the Word of God because they're unstable in their obedience, maybe they're prideful, maybe they're stubborn, they're also like Demas. Now, let's look at a few things about Demas. We know about Demas from three verses in the Bible. Go first to Colossians chapter 4, verse 14. Colossians 4, 14. Or Colossians, Paul wrote Colossians while he was in Roman, his first in Roman imprisonment there. Verse 14 says, Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. So he's sending this letter to the church in Colossae, and Demas is there with him, and Luke is there with him. You go to the book of Philemon, again, another letter that was written there by Paul while he was in his first Roman imprisonment. And in the little book of Philemon, look at verse 24. It says, Marcus, Aristarchus, Demas, Lucas, my fellow helpers. These are the ones that salute them, that salute Philemon. And Demas is one of them. Well, we go to Paul's second, the letter that he wrote in his second Roman imprisonment just prior to his death. We go to 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 10. It says, For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica. Demas was a fellow helper of Paul. He was with Paul there in his first Roman imprisonment. Now he's forsaken him. Why? Because he loved the present world. He was unstable in his obedience. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 7, it could be asked of him and possibly of some of us as well. Ye did run well. Who did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth? We don't ever get anywhere in God's word. Just meander around in life because we're unstable. Well, some people get never get anywhere in God's Word because they're too busy living life. Too busy living life. We're just so filled up with life. 
We can't get anywhere in the Word of God. James chapter 4 is where I want to go first. James 4, verses 13 to 15. James 4, 13 to 15. This goes, go to now. Now that just simply means come now. Ye that say today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. Oh, we make plans, don't we? We make plans to do this. We make plans to do that. Do we ever include God in our plans? He's just saying there, oh, yeah, we're making plans. We're going to do this. We're going to go do that. Well, what if you die before you do all that? You don't know what's going to happen in the next second, much less tomorrow or next year or whatever. Because life does act just like a little vapor. It appears and it's gone. So he's saying, this is what you ought to say. If the Lord wills, I will live and do that or this, whatever it may be. You see, people get so wound up in the affairs of life, they have little time for God. You go to Luke chapter 8. And look at verse 13. This is in the parable of the sower. Luke chapter 8, verse 13. He's describing the seed that is cast upon the rock, or the word of God that is cast upon this rocky heart. They on the rock are they, which when they hear, receive the word with joy. And these have no root. And for a while believe, and in time of temptation fall away. And then he says about those that are on the thorns, verse 14. And that which fell among thorns are they which when they have heard go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. So you see right there, they get so involved in life the word of God does not produce the fruit that it should. Now go to Matthew 13, parallel account here. Matthew 13, 20, 22. It says, He also that receives seed among the thorns is he which heareth the word, or that heareth the word, and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becometh unfruitful. We're meandering through life living life the cares and pleasures and riches of this world and the word of God is choked out because we're just meandering around. In Matthew chapter 6 verses 25 to 33 it says therefore you ought, I say unto you, take no thought for your life. In other words, you know, take no thought. You know what that means? Don't be distressed in your mind. 
what you're going, what you shall eat, or what you shall drink, or nor yet for your body what you shall put on, is not life more than meat, and the body than raiment? And isn't there more to life than food and clothing? And he goes, Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather in the barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Are you no better than a bird? Of course you are. Verse 27, Which of you by taking thought, or by being anxious, or worrying about it, can add one cubit to a stature? Verse 28, and why take you thought for raiment? In other words, clothing. Why are you worried about that? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, in other words, because of all this, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, or ye of little faith? Therefore, God, you know, God's going to take care of you. Therefore, take no thought. In other words, don't be so worrisome, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of these things. <clears throat> he says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. All these things. Oh, but, you know, I've... I've I'm so busy. I'm, I'm always, I'm, I'm tired. I need to rest and all this. That, well, you can rest when life is over. Can you imagine going to the good judgment day and saying, God, I was just so busy and I was just too tired to obey you and to go to heaven. But I'm sure you'll understand. Really? See, people get all involved in family and have so little time for God. In Luke chapter 9, look at verses 57 to 62. Luke chapter 9, verses 57 to 62. So, and it came to pass as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. So right there, stopping for a moment, I'll follow you anywhere you want to go. Are you sure you want to? This is what it's going to be like. Verse 59. And he said unto another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. And he said to him, Let the dead bury their dead. Go thou and preach the gospel of the kingdom. You know, the dead are beyond teaching. And you, you know, I, you read commentators and they say, May have been dead, he wanted to go back and bury him, or it may be that he was going to die soon. Whichever it may be, Jesus said, The most important thing for you to be doing is teaching the gospel. 
Verse 61, another said, Lord, I will follow thee. Let me first go and bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. I'm going to follow you, but let me go back. And Jesus said to him, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Are we all involved in those things? You know, how many things do we have the kids involved in that are really going to matter on the judgment day? Well, God, I just had so much going on to obey you all the time. I'm sure you understand. Well, some people never get anywhere in the God, Word of God because they just don't want to hear all of it. Just don't want to hear all of it. In Isaiah chapter 30, verses 8 through 11. <clears throat> Isaiah chapter 30 verses 8 through 11. It says, Now go write it before them in a table. It'll be like on a tablet or something. And note it in a book that it may be for the time to come forever and ever that this is a rebellious people, lying children, children that will not hear the law of the Lord, which say to the seers, See not. And to the prophets, Prophesy not unto us right things, speak unto us smooth things, prophesy deceits. Get you out of the way, turn aside out of the path, cause the Holy One of Israel to cease from before us. We just don't want to hear what God has to say. You just tell me what I want to hear, because I want to hear what I, I think God should be saying instead of hearing the truth. See, that's the way people are. And Paul mentioned that over in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. Paul's about to die. He knows that. And he tells Timothy, I charge thee, therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick or the living and the dead, at his appearing and his kingdom. And what does he say? Preach the word. The word of God. And then be ready. That's what instant means. Be instant. In season and out of season. When they want to hear it. When they don't want to hear it. Reprove. Rebuke. Warn them. Harshly warn them. And exhort them. Encourage them with all long-suffering, with all patience there, and doctrine, the truth. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. In other words, they're not going to believe the truth. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned to fables. You see, people want fluffy lessons. They want fluffy teachers like Joel Osteen, Max Licato, Franklin Graham, so on and on and on and on we could go. But they want to hear the word of the God they created in their own image because their God will not condemn their lifestyle. Their God treats them the way they want to be treated and says what they want 
to be said. You see, they are like a king there in the Old Testament. His name is Jehoiakim. We find him in Jeremiah 36, what we're going to be looking at here, this event in his life. Jeremiah 36, verses 20 to 25. Now, what had taken place here, we're going to get a little bit of a background. Jeremiah had dictated a scroll. And he dictated this scroll to one of his, one of the men there that writing. Verse 30, chapter 36, verse 1, it came to pass in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, that this word came unto Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Take thee a roll of a book, that be a scroll, and write therein all the words that I have spoken unto thee against Israel and against Judah and against the nations from the day that I spake unto thee from the days of Josiah, even unto today. So he's going to be writing this. And now Barak was the one who he'd be dictating it to. Verse 4. Then Jeremiah called Barak the son of Neriah, and Barak wrote from the mouth of Jeremiah all the words of the Lord which he had spoken unto him upon the roll of a book, in other words, upon a, a scroll. And Jeremiah commanded Barak, saying, I am shut up. In other words, for some reason, he goes, I cannot go into the house of the Lord. I can't go into the temple. I'm shut up. Therefore, go thou and read in the roll which thou hast written from my mouth the words of the Lord in the ears of the people in the Lord's house upon the fasting day. And also thou shalt read them in the ears of all Judah that come out of their cities. So he's going to be reading to all these things. So we drop down to verse 11. When Micaiah the son of Gemariah the son of Shaphan had heard out of the book all the words of the Lord, that he went down into the king's house, into the scribe's chamber, and lo, all the princes sat there, even Elishama the scribe, and Deliah the son of Shemaiah, and Elnathan the son of Achbor, and Gemariah the son of Shaphan, and Zedekiah the son of Hananiah, and all the princes. Verse 13. Then Micaiah declared unto them all the words that he had heard when Barak read the book in the ears of the people. So the people heard this. Verse 14. Therefore all the princes sent Jehudi, the son of Nethaniah, the son of Shelemiah, the son of Cushai, unto Barak, saying, Take in thine hand the roll wherein thou hast read, in the ears of the people, and come. So Barak, the son of Neriah, took the roll in his hand, and came in unto them. And they said unto him, Sit down now, and read it in our ears. So Barak read it in their ears. So you have more people, you know, he read it to the people, now he's reading it to the royalty, but he hadn't got to the king yet. Verse 16 says, Now it came to pass, when they had heard all the words, they were afraid, both one and another, and said to Barak, We will surely tell the king of all these words. 
And they asked Barak, saying, Tell us now, how didst thou write all these words at his mouth? Then Barak answered them, He pronounced all the words unto me with his mouth, and I wrote them with ink in the book. Then said the princes unto Barak, Go hide thee, thou and Jeremiah. In other words, you better go hide, and let none, no man know where you are. Don't let anybody know where you're at. Because they knew what the king was like. Now verse 20. And they went into the king, into the court, but they laid up the roll in the chamber of Elisha, the scribe, and told all the words in the king's ears of the king. So the king sent Jehudi to fetch the roll, and he took it out of Elisha, the scribe's chamber, and Jehudi read it in the ears of the king, and in the ears of all the princes which stood beside the king. Now the king sat in the winter house in the ninth month. We're looking at our like our December time frame. And there was a fire on the hearth burning before him. And it came to pass that when Jehudi had read three or four leaves, again we're looking at a scroll, he cut it with the penknife and cast it into the fire that was on the hearth until all the roll was consumed in the fire and that was on the hearth. He burnt the whole thing up. And then notice verse 24, their attitude. Yet they were not afraid nor rent their garments, neither the king nor any of his servants that heard all these words. Why? Because they didn't want to hear it. They didn't want to hear God's word. So you you know you take you take the Bible and I'm not I don't have a Bible in my hand right now I've just got a, a newspaper but we're going to pretend that this newspaper is the Bible and you get into the Bible and you see in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth I don't want anything to do with creation so I'm just going to tear that part out of the Bible. Well, what about obedience? Obey the word of God? Obey what God said? No. I don't want that part. Let's just tear that up and let's throw it away. Now, like I say, I'm just using a newspaper. You could get you an NIV and do the same thing because it's not a Bible. But what about baptism? Baptism? Baptism has nothing to do with salvation. So let's just tear that part out of the Bible. Throw that part away. Well, what about seek God first? No, no. I don't get it. Get Matthew 6:33 out of there. I don't want anything to do with that. I'm going to seek other things first. Just throw that away. Well, what about study the Word of God? Get rid of 2 Timothy for sure. Get rid of Psalm 119. We don't want that left in the Bible. What about mortifying sin? Putting sin to death in your life. What do you mean put sin? To, uh, uh, get rid of Galatians 5. Throw that stupid thing away. I don't want anything to do with that or Colossians 3. What about putting away sin? Huh. We don't want that. Let's tear that out of our Bible. 
What about attendance to services? You mean Hebrews 10.25? Not forsaking the assembling ourselves together as the matter of some is? Oh, let's tear the Hebrews out of the Bible. By the time you get through tearing everything out of the Bible that people don't want, people are going to say, all I want is John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. All I want is Matthew 7.1, Judge not that you be not judged. And maybe you can leave the 23rd Psalm in. But that's all you've got left of your Bible. And by the time you, that's all you've got left, you might as well just crinkle the whole thing up and throw it away. Because they don't care what God's Word has to say. And people are like Jehoiakim. They think they can destroy God's Word just as easily as that. But that don't happen. You know what happened here in Jeremiah 36? In verse 32, says, Then took Jeremiah another roll or scroll and gave it to Barak the scribe, the son of Neriah, who wrote therein from the mouth of Jeremiah all the words of the book which Jehoiakim, king of Judah, had burned in the fire, and there were added besides unto them many like words. You can't destroy the Word of God. In Matthew chapter 24 and verse 35, Jesus said, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. The Word of God abides forever. You know, so, Let's ask ourselves these questions. Am I willing to study God's Word daily and teach it to my children or grandchildren or and grandchildren? Yes or no? Am I too unstable in my obedience to God to obey God's Word? Yes or no? Am I too busy living life to obey God? Yes or no? Do I wish I could get rid of those parts of God's Word that I don't like? Yes or no? Am I striving to be faithful to God regardless of what life is trying to put in my way? Yes or no? Will I be judged by God's Word? Yes or no? Am I like the chicken that knows where it's going? Or am I like the preacher that meandered everywhere and never got anywhere? The chicken or the preacher? Well, again, this is Don Boyd. I want to thank you for tuning in to Opening the Scriptures today, and we look forward to being with you next time.
When you're in Moody, Missouri, you're invited to visit the Moody Church of Christ, located on Highway E in Moody, Missouri. The congregation there meets on a Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for Bible class, 11 a.m. for worship, and then again at 6 p.m. for Sunday evening worship. They also meet at 6 p.m. on Wednesday night for Bible study. We thank you for tuning in today. We hope you enjoyed this program. You can find out more about Bible Media by visiting us at BibleWayMedia.org. You can also find us on several uh, social media platforms now. You can find us not only on Facebook, but you can also can find us on Tumblr. You can also find us on the Twitter alternative known as Telegram and on the Facebook alternative known as MeWe. We hope you enjoyed this program. We hope you will share with others. And as always, we thank you for listening.